Realty Nation. It's your host, Abby Golhar. Welcome to the Think Realty Podcast. If you ever have thought about investing in multifamily real estate, this podcast is for you. We're talking about underwriting. So how do you look at a deal? What's good? What's bad? What are some of the stress tests that you use to figure out if you're going to make a good investment or a bad investment? And once you've found a reasonable property to buy, how do you raise the capital for it? So I think it's kind of interesting to take a look at. Uh, we have Rob from Lone Star Capital. We'll talk to him in just a minute. But what I'm interested in learning a lot more about is where the temperature, what his temperature gauge is, temperature check is, on where the multifamily industry is right now. There are a lot of folks that are saying it's too hot and they're pulling a lot of money out and maybe just not doing anything with it. And there are some folks that are going all in and doubling down. So a lot of topics to talk about here. Uh, but before we do, a huge shout out to the podcast sponsor for today, House Folios, uh, sourcing analysis, transaction management, rehab budget tracking, and more is done in their all-in-one software for single-family real estate. If you want to grow and manage your entire single-family investment portfolio, use housefolios.com. Check them out at housefolios.com to get started and learn more. Rob, welcome to the show. How are you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me. Good. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the uh, the capital firm, uh, Lone Star Capital. Your specific, uh, what type of multifamily acquisition targets do you look at? Uh, how are you finding these deals? And your temperature gauge on the multifamily industry right now? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're a multifamily firm based in New York, but we focus exclusively on Texas workforce housing. We have a portfolio of about two hundred million, um, <clears throat> over two thousand units, and. Our focus is properties that are, I'd say, 150 to 300 units, purchase price of 15 to 50 million, and that is a very hot space, like you alluded to before. Uh, lots of competition. It's always been a hot space, a great space, but I think the resiliency of the multifamily market, especially workforce housing, through COVID, has really brought added uh, excitement around the asset class, and that's furthered its uh, popularity. So when you're looking at um, when you're looking at a property and, and you get you get a property from whether it's a broker network or a, a relationship that you have, what are some of the key elements of that property that you look at from day one to make a quick analysis, just a quick 30-second gut feel whether or not this is something that you want to continue to pursue? The first thing I want to look at is the median household income because you can spend all this time doing comps and looking at the numbers, but... At the end of the day, if the neighborhood, at least for us, is just too rough then for what we're willing to do, then that's just an instant pass. So we try not to disqualify deals too early on in the process. You know, We want to make sure that we're look, giving things an honest look, but it is important to be able to quickly pass on deals so that way you're spending time on deals that are worth spending time on. And I think median household income is a key metric. If you were to pick maybe two or three other metrics to kind of add on to that, what would they be and why? So the next one would be population growth. Population growth underpins <clears throat> um, job growth, or you, or you know, some people think the jobs are causing with the people to come. But you know, in any case, population growth is kind of that base metric, which then you have the driver of jobs, which then drives rent growth. So uh, population growth is is really key. We want to be uh, looking at submarkets where the population growth is above the national average. 
Got it. Uh, do you guys also dig into rent rolls, T12s, and really do heavy analysis there? or And this is just kind of in your gut feel phase, or is that something that you'll do later down the road? Yeah, so we actually don't, uh, I would say most of our deals that we look at flow down into that full analysis stage. Uh, the majority of deals actually don't get disqualified at the quick look. We actually spend our time underwriting fully most deals that we look at. So the answer is yes. For pretty much for every deal, we're going to be digging into the, uh, the, the seller's financials, like, the, like you said, the rent roll and the T12, and we'll be uh, doing rent and sales comp analysis for that as well. So when you talk about comps, in the single-family space, comps are completely different. Um, help, uh, if, if I'm a new investor in, in multifamily, um, help me understand what a, what, a, what a comparable analysis looks like from a multifamily perspective. Yeah, so certainly comps can vary from single-family to multifamily and asset class, but, it, but at the end of the day, the key component of any comp analysis is that what you're comparing is actually comparable. Right? Anyone can throw together an analysis and show example property and say, well, look, this property is getting $2,000 rents. That means we should be able to increase our rents to that. But it's all about being apples to apples. You have to make sure that the, um, you know, the interior finishes are comparable. The location is comparable. The school district, um, you know, the amenity set of the property. So everything has to be apples to apples to be really be able to uh, do accurate comp analysis. Another thing to mention is also the other income, right? A lot of people get tripped up on comparing just the rent of the properties alone and not digging in a level deeper and looking at the other income because some properties are billing back for utilities more heavily. Some are not billing back for utilities at all. Some have amenities fees and all sorts of other fees that actually need to be accounted for as far as <clears throat> comparing the uh, revenue potential of the properties. So for for multifamily comp analysis, it's it's really less about value and, and much more focused on the rent comps. I think sale comps is kind of a confirmatory uh, due diligence, whereas rent comps is really, I would say, the most time-consuming and vital aspect of underwriting because that's how you derive your pro forma rents, which are your rent projections, which underpin your business plan. So let's say you found a business, you've gone through your stress test, your sensitive, sensitivity analysis, you've identified the comps, you've identified a good, a, a good multifamily property. Now it's time to raise the cash. Now it's time to raise the capital. What are some things that you do to get over that hurdle? Because that can be super intimidating if I've done maybe a couple flips and I'm like, wait, Rob, you're telling me that I'm, gonna, I'm about to buy something for 15 or $20 million? How the heck do you do that? Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a paradigm shift. It's a big jump in the game. And I think a lot of people, and this is just a mindset thing that I have personally, is a lot of people think kind of logically or linearly and think, well, maybe I should start with a million dollar raise and then a $2 million raise and kind of build my way up to raising $10 million, for example. But uh, I think you should, if, you, if, you, if this is something that someone is interested in doing, they should jump in and bite off something that's a little bit more intimidating, uh, especially because the a lot of, as a lot of people say, you know, when you take on a bigger project, there's kind of more momentum behind it and more partners that could potentially help you. So I think partnerships is really key, especially when getting started as they can launch you into doing much bigger deals than you ever thought possible. And then that, and then that track record of getting a big deal done is what's going to propel you into getting more deals done potentially without partners, if that's the way you want to go. 
When you talk about JVs, joint ventures, how does that work when you're structuring a multifamily deal? That can be a little complicated sometimes, right? Very complicated. Yeah, it's one of my uh, focuses and something that I think I do really well is spending time you know, working with our partners and structuring deals and making sure that everyone's happy and getting a fair, fair partnership. So there, there's lots of different ways to do it, whether it's a joint venture, like you said, which that's a more traditional institutional uh, structure where you have a limited partner and a general partner. And it's often a 90%, uh, a 90-10 split, they call it. So 90% of the equity is contributed by the limited partner. So they're essentially the capital partner. And then the GP partner, which is you, the sponsor, is putting up their 10%. So in that way, the interests are aligned and you're able to have a pretty simple fee schedule uh, where the deal is paying fees to the sponsor for finding the deal and managing the deal. And then there's a performance compensation through a waterfall, which further compensates the, the sponsor upon uh, performing. So, so give then, me a couple examples of that. So how, how did, so you said 90% of the capital is put up by the LP, 10% of the capital is put up by the GP. Uh, for, for those that don't understand what a waterfall structure is and what that kind of design looks like and feels like, uh, give me an example of what that could mean in terms of dollars. Yeah, so the most basic waterfall would be starting with the first level as the preferred return. So, and a preferred return is essentially a minimum return hurdle that is owed to the capital uh, provider or, you know, the capital that's contributed to the deal is owed a minimum rate of return, which is often 8%. So, and, and the best preferred returns are cumulative and compounding and also subject to a return of capital. So it gets a little bit complicated, but that's the most robust form of a preferred return. And it's really, uh, you know, in the best, in the best case for investors. So. The way that would work is as the property is producing cash flow or if it's producing cash flow through a refinance event or even a sale, that cash flow first goes towards satisfying any accrued, unpaid, uh, compounded, preferred return. Call it that 8%. Once that 8% has been satisfied, then any additional payments go towards paying back the investors their original capital. And then finally, once the investors have gotten all their capital back and that 8% minimum return, now there's a what they call a promote or a carried interest where the sponsor is getting paid out of the profits of the property, and which is often done at a 70-30 split above that 8% pref. So 70% of the profits go again to the investor, and then 30% is goes to the sponsor as a promote. And that's where if a sponsor really knocks it out of the park, they do, you know, their investors do very well. And then the sponsor, without putting any equity in necessarily, gets 30% of the profits over the 8%, which can be very lucrative. These types of investments are geared generally for what kind of person? Um, an entrepreneur that's accredited, that has a little cash, uh, maybe a minimum of a certain dollar amount that they throw into a fund. Uh, how do you, when you're going after LP investors in a limited partnership position, who's your avatar? Who are you looking for? So we have uh, two, I'd say two main avatars. We, I think, uniquely work with a pretty diverse range of investors. We have a very strong base of private investors, um, which kind of look like your high net worth individuals, your doctors, your a lot of tech uh, employees, maybe some business owners. And those investors are accredited investors and they're investing usually somewhere around $100,000 in any given deal. And, uh, on on the 
On the flip side, we have investors who are more, we call them institutional, and they're more, uh, they're more essentially professional investors. And they invest larger amounts, and they're more hands-on. And it's really their business to invest their capital. And so these, these groups include family offices, opportunity funds, private equity firms, and other groups that you know essentially raise capital for the purposes of deploying it into partnerships such as ours. And uh, you know, there's certainly differences, and I think we we pride ourselves on being a great partner for both. Where you know you have to definitely bring it up a notch and be very sophisticated and thorough when you're dealing with your institutional partners, but then you also have to be able to simplify it down and explain it, and uh, you know, be a little more. Um, hand holding with the retail investors. So I think we do we do that well both. If I want to get in touch and I'm thinking, well, hey, I've got a little cash to deploy, what's the best way to reach you and your team uh, to start understanding that process of investment and then maybe also take a look at some of the targets, acquisition targets you're going after? Yeah, you can learn more about uh, our company and our investments on our website. Our website is lonestarcapgroup.com. That's Lone Star, like Lone Star State, L-O-N-E, starcapgroup.com. On our website, there's um, you know t- tons of good information, case studies on past deals, and there's also a link to our investor portal where you can register uh, and gain access to our current opportunities. Rob, thanks a lot for the time. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll have to have you back. There, there, there's a lot more to talk about here, which is, uh, which is obviously true. I think a couple of the things that we didn't have the opportunity to go through, uh, kind of diving a little deeper into partnership structures and then, of course, financing uh, for some of these opportunities. Uh, so we'll make that happen here next time. And uh, maybe we can plan for the next quarter, maybe two quarters out. Uh, would be would be cool to kind of get your thoughts on where the multifamily world is uh, and that industry is at that time as well as 2022 progresses. So thanks a lot for the time. I certainly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You got it. We'll see you later. There's a lot of things, a lot of things that you need to take a look at when investing in multifamily. If you don't know what to do, start off with a resource center. Uh, we have access, you have access to uh, our um, real estate uh, real estate experts, uh, resident experts on thinkrealty.com. And Bruce Peterson is the resident expert for multifamily. So at least start to go through um, some of the videos that we've made available for you on thinkrealty.com. If you if you further after that think, well, you know, this is actually something I might want to take a look at, check out uh, a firm like Rob's and you'll see very quickly some of the patterns that you might find of interest to you, whether it's your rate of return, whether it's the, uh, whether it's the cities that you want, to di- what you want to invest in, but you also just don't want to do it yourself. You're like, hey, it's, let somebody else do the hard work, kind of like me. Um, let somebody else do the hard work, and I'll just get a good rate of return with, um, uh, with a kicker at the end. Could be kind of interesting. So check out Lone Star Capital Group. I think it would be uh, maybe worth your while. We're going to be in uh, Houston on March 24th and 25th for the Think Realty Houston event. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you want to register, go to thinkrealty.com slash Houston. Type in the code podcast, and you'll get a buy one, get one free ticket. I'm going to be there. Bruce Peterson should also be there, too. So if you want to ask about multifamily, that's a really good person to go talk to. But there are other real estate investing pros that will be there, local leaders, local experts, to help you understand your investing strategy and then how to take that a step further. Uh, So again, thinkrealty.com slash Houston. 
for tickets and type in podcast to buy one and get one for free. A huge shout out to the podcast sponsor for today, Housefolios. Uh, sourcing, analysis, transaction management, rehab, budget tracking, and more is done in their all-in-one software for single-family real estate. If you want to grow and manage your entire single-family investment portfolio, use housefolios.com. Check them out at housefolios.com to get started and learn more. That's the show. Got any questions? Get in touch. Feel free to do so anytime, anywhere online at Abhi Golhar. And until next time, happy investing. Mm-hmm.